Welcome to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life, The Feminine Rising. My name is Julie Paulston. I am your host, and I am so absolutely honored that you stopped by. Each week, I'm going to be sharing my own personal journey, and I'm also going to be interviewing some incredible people that will be sharing their journeys as well, in hopes that we can educate, motivate, and inspire you to live the best possible life that you can. So grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack or two, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Because at the end of the day, this truly is all about you. Welcome back, everyone, to Be the Phoenix of Your Own Life. This is Julie, your hostess with the mostest on mostest days. There are some days where it's not the mostest, but for you, I always try and be the mostest. So I have another fantastic woman that we are going to have a conversation with today. The universe put her in my path. I was invited to be on her podcast and I didn't know that it was going to be like two people interviewing me and it was so much fun. And so like right afterwards, I said, I have to have you on mine because you are amazing And y'all know that I don't introduce people because it always sounds like a dating site. Sherry loves long walks and tacos on Tuesday. But I mean, really, who doesn't like tacos on Tuesday? So Sherry, I am so honored that you are here. Will you introduce yourself? Tell, Give us your elevator speech. Who are you? What you do? And why are you here? Sure. So I'm Sherry Faust-Smith, and I am a speaker, an author, and a courage coach. And I love to empower women to find their bold, courageous, confident selves so they can be these badass women in life. You know, I'm also known as the feisty coach because feisty to me is all about being sassy and, you know, really finding who we are and being courageous and just doing life, right? Like, you know, if we don't enjoy life, then what are we here for? Oh my gosh. See, and see you guys see now, you know why I had to have her on for, because number one, slightly feisty. And number two, I love the thought of courageous and it meshes so well with what I do and with what you and I and Amanda, all three of us just want to really empower women to just rise from the ashes and whatever those ashes may be. And speaking of which, I have a question for you. We've all been in the shit pit of our lives. We've all been in the ashes. What is a time that you can remember that you were in the ashes and you were forced to reclaim that divine inner Phoenix to find that courage and how's it impacted your life till now? So I'm actually a three-time domestic abuse survivor and each relationship that I was in got worse. So the first one, it was more just emotional. We were dating, we were young. And, you know, I think some of it was immaturity and I'm not going to make an excuse for his behavior, but I think there was a lot of just, who are we? Then the second one, he really didn't show himself until I said, I can't be in this marriage anymore. And when I separated, he started stalking me, tried to get into my apartment, busted into my apartment, attempted to rape me. And uh, finally, he just disappeared. You know, it was like, okay, see you later. And then the third one, I was married for six years and I saw all the red flags and I still decided to pursue this relationship. I married him and he was financially, emotionally abusive. And I actually left the day he put his hands on me. So I had found myself really at the bottom of the barrel. You know, uh, my self-esteem was low. I was scared and I had a three-year-old son. And I knew that I did not want to be in this marriage so that my son could see how his dad mistreats women and he would grow up mistreating. But there was also a side of me, this was my husband and I did love him and I did want it to work. So there were a lot of pros and cons and I really had to figure out for myself, what did I want? it wasn't easy. And when people say, just move on, just get over it, just walk out. It's not as simple as that. 
No. And, you know, I'm luckily I lived with my parents. I could move in with them. I stayed with them for a month until I got my own place. And there were many, many moments where I thought about going back to him. I felt sorry for him. I worried mm-hmm. about him. And so many people who are victims fall into that pattern. I just, I think that I felt like the rug was just pulled out from under me and I didn't know where to turn. I was scared, but I knew that I had to be this strong woman for my son to show him that mommy's not afraid, that mommy can stand up to the bullies, that mommy can move forward. And we had very little money. I wasn't getting any support from his father. And, you know, it just at that moment, even though I felt like everything was just wiped out. I knew that I was going to rise. I knew that I was going to get over this. I knew that I was going to become somebody that others could look at and say, Hey, you're my inspiration. I can walk out too. If you can do it, I can do it. And I want to be that powerhouse and that change maker for other women to see that no matter where you are in life, whether you are in an abusive relationship or you're just feeling down and out that there is hope and it is putting one foot in front of the other. It's taking one day at a time and knowing that you can come out of that and be something more than what you are today. I'm doing it. You know, it's not easy. And I also suffer from anxiety and depression. So I've also been through the depression part and being afraid and not knowing where to go. So you know, I just want women to, to really dig deep and, and know that wherever they are, they can come out and be these courageous, feisty, badass women, right? <laughs> oh my God. See, this is why I was so excited for today. I was like, when, when Sherry coming? When I kept checking my calendar, like, is it today? Oh no, not today. Is it today? No, not today. You know, and it's funny that you say that. And it's, and like we were talking about before we, I hit the record button, when I do these podcasts, I ask that question and it's just like, I get this lightning bolt that says, this is the direction we're going to go. And of course I got the lightning bolt that this is direction because I have friends of mine that are in that, in that spot right now where they are recovering from dealing with someone who is extremely physically, mentally, emotionally abusive, narcissistic, Um, and just does that push, pull, push, pull. I love you. No one will love you more than me. You're, you're a stupid bitch. How could you even think that I would want you back to, oh my God, I can't live without you. And then the next day it's like, I have a new girlfriend. I want to make it work with her. You're just, you're just gross. You're a whore. And then the next day it's something else. What do you say to those women that, you know, that, that can help them get started on that path to being courageous? Cause I know when I'm a victim of domestic violence, my first husband tried to kill me. I remember just being in that spot of, you know, after the, after the incident happened and having the restraining order, and then he violated it. I think it was 72 times he violated the restraining order. Like he would pull up and like drive by my work really super slow and, and play those mental games. And I remember being in that position and going, this is ridiculous. I don't, I don't think I can make it out of this. What is, what did you do to start the ball rolling? I know you had your son. What are some of the things that you did to help yourself get started on the path out? Well, first, luckily I had that support system. Every time I had a thought that I was going to go back. I would talk to a girlfriend or I would talk to my parents who would remind me of what happened. And it's not easy as you, you know, even though he violated that 75, 72 times, there's still that part of you that, you know, it's like, okay, so what am I going to do? How am I going to move forward from this? Well, we have to remember it's about control. It's about them wanting control. And if we back down, then they have more control. So it's this part of us, uh, it's kind of like splitting who we are. It's saying, okay, this was, this is what I'm dealing with. And and I've got to move forward and make sure that I don't go back to this. And there's this other part of us saying, I'm going to take tiny steps forward 
to make myself better, right? So it's, you know, I actually looked up the difference of courage and confidence because, you know, it's like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Right. And you, courage is about taking those scary steps and confidence is what happens after you've taken those scary steps. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So when you're leaving an abusive relationship, it's being courageous. It's taking the steps that you need to move forward and not allowing that person to bully you. And the reason that they so say those nasty things to us is because they feel so shitty about themselves that they want to say anything they can so they can rise and be better than us. And the right. more they push us down, the happier they feel about themselves. And that is the part that helped me get through so much of my own growth of moving forward from him because I looked at him as this bully, as if I was in high school and somebody was being a mean girl and being able to really say, okay, you know, you're an ass. You are just so ridiculous and so immature and such a jerk and splitting myself, right? It's like, okay, this part of me, I'm going to believe that so that I can now move forward. And so every step you take, you become more and more courageous. And there were so many, I mean, I was in court and I had the worst lawyer. He was an ass. Like he sat there. He might as well have just been, you know, twiddling his thumbs. And my ex had a shark and his mom and dad paid for the shark. Right. I didn't have the money to pay for somebody. So I was the one speaking up. I was the one being courageous. I was the one fighting for my life. Wow. So it is, you know, that part of us building upon every day, feeling a little more courageous and we're going to backslide. There's no, you know, when you're doing courageous things, you're going to find moments where you're like, I just can't do that. Right. You know, you know, I was taking a dance class. I was doing pole dancing and burlesque and it was something to help me build my confidence. And I was in a class with young girls, okay, right. I'm 52 years old. And you see these 20 year old girls coming in with their little tight tights. And I'm like, okay, that is not going to fit me. But you know, they're going up and down the pole and I'm like going two or three inches off the pole. And right. luckily the instructors are in their fifties too. So, you know, they know what it's like. And I remember saying one day, I can't get up the pole. I can't. And Heather came up to me and said, that word is not allowed used in here. There is no such word as can't. Everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's going to get to the top when they get to the top. And we're here to help you get to the top. And it just reminded me of where I had been. And I was at the bottom of that pole. And gradually, and you know, I worked hard to get to the top. It took me eight or nine months, but I made it to the top. And it just shows me that wherever I was in the past, and I said, I can't do it. I obviously did it. Pers- you know, just that perseverance of just moving forward. So for anybody who's going through that, just remember, you know, you're going to be at the bottom, but you don't have to stay at the bottom. Exactly. It's, I, I tell the, the friend of mine that, that I'm thinking of, I, I tell her all the time. I'm like, imagine him like drugs. Like you've caught you, you've been in recovery for a long time. Think of this person like a drug. You just don't have to use today. You just don't have to talk to him, go check his social media because there's so many people and I just, it just hit me like a ton of brick. When you said that, you know, I saw all the red flags and I just looked at them and went, oh, look at these pretty roses. It happens so often with women who have been in abusive relationships, who have been in that position where you just don't feel like you're worthy of anyone that nobody, because especially if you've had more than one abusive relationship, it's been told, well, you're never going to do better than me. You know, who are you to think you're going to get a good guy? And so now 
we've now programmed this into our brain. When you saw those red flags, did you recognize, hey, these are some red flags. These are not pretty roses and just said, ah, what the hell I can help him or maybe I can change him. Or was it, you just saw pretty red roses? Yep. It was the whole fact of, I can change him. You know, I, I, and I'm an empath. Like I love helping people. And I saw, you know, the thing is about narcissists, they're really good actors. Oh yeah. Very good at manipulating. So they can personify this perfect person, this knight in shining armor, this Oh, I'm going to woo you and just, you know, we're going to go love dancing. bomb the shit to, out of you. Yeah. Just love bomb you. Yep. And it's crazy how I saw the red flags and I thought, oh, he's not that bad. Yeah. He's not that bad. No. His parents, you know, they knew because I told them they refused to get me help to say to him, look, enough is enough or whatever. And they just, of course, turned it. It's my fault. I did this to cause him to do that, whatever. And it's such a shame too, when we feel continuously victimized. Yes. The one interesting thing you said about your friend is checking the social media. Yeah. I have a friend who got out of the bad relationship then got back in it and out and in it. Yep. And she and I had a conversation and she said, I said, why don't you just unfriend him, block his number? You don't need to be reminded. And she said, because I want to see what he's doing and I want to see who he's with. Mm, and I said, so why? Cute. You know? Yeah. And so for her, it was, is the person he's with now better than me? And I said, it doesn't matter because of that woman is now just your replacement. Yeah. It's, it's their, it's their new, um, it's their new supply. Yeah, it is. It's their new supply. And it's funny that you say that because we, as women, for whatever reason, because I think it's societal norms and here comes my woo woo shit. I think it's been programmed in that we have to live up to a certain standard And instead we will look at this woman and say, oh, well, she's not as pretty as me, or she doesn't have this like I do, or why would he be with her when I was so good to him? And we degrade ourselves in so many fashions. And then we go, it's almost like a competition with the new supply. And we had the same conversation that you had with your friend. I was like, listen, stop looking because he knows you're looking. And I think that that's something that we as women forget that when we're dealing with this type of a man, they know you're looking, they know you're looking and they're putting up the best, the highlight reel so that you feel even worse about your situation. So you reach out and well, why are you dating her? And the minute you reach out, you're done. You, you might as well put the needle back in your arm because you're done. You've now relapsed. Right. Or they put a meme out that, you know, is meant for you to see. Yep. And then you're just reminded once again, Yep. you know, and it just makes you angry and it, it's sad and it's hurtful. And all of those emotions that we felt in it, and now we're just feeling it again. So it's super important to just really walk away. It, and it's not e- like, you know, oh, it's not easy here and say, oh, just, you know, let's work on walking away. Let's create a plan. But I was there, you know, yeah. I know what that was like, and it wasn't easy, but to know that I've been through it and I'm on the other side. And now our son talks to him still periodically, but he sees through him. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like he can have a conversation with him, but it's like, whatever, dad, like, yeah, you're a loser. Like, wh- yeah. why are you calling me? You know? Right. And there's another part that he feels sorry for him. Yeah. You know, poor dad, he's alone. They're really good at pulling at your heartstrings too. You know, okay. they're just good at all the shit that is so toxic that we just need to say no more, you know, just, 
And it's right. It's being courageous. It's just taking those tiny little steps and just walk away and say, Hey, I got the confidence, dude. See ya. I'm on to bigger and better things. And you are now this distant memory and I'm done. Yeah. I think the hardest part is when you're in the, that pain, because you've given your heart to this person, you've decided that I'm going to be with you and you fall in love with the image that they've projected of who they are when that's not who they are, but you fall in love with that image. And it's, I I relate it back to drugs because being a recovering addict and alcoholic, I, it's like, you get that first high and you're always chasing that first high and you're never going to get that first high again. And I, she asked me, she's like, I just want to go back. I just want to go back. Maybe I can be quieter or maybe I can be softer or maybe I can change this or maybe I can do that just because they don't want the pain of walking away because that is not an easy process because it looks like the guy or if you're if you're in a same sex relationship that your partner walks away and you're like, how come they're walking away and they're already happy again and I'm over here broken and bruised and bloodied and devastated. What do you say to the, to the women who are there that still have not even been able to get even an, an inst of courage yet? That's really, that's the hardest place to be because you're processing not only the pain of losing that person, but you're also processing the broken pieces that they bestowed upon you. I kind of see it as, and I explained this to my husband when I was going through that, it's like your heart is a glass and they just rip it out and they throw it on the ground and there's broken pieces. You're never going to be able to put all of those pieces back together. And even if you do, they're not going to be perfect. So that pain is unbearable, but we have to remember that what they did to us doesn't define us, that them moving forward has nothing to do with who we are. They're not walking away from us. The way I see an abuser, they have their own shit they're dealing with. And when they walk away from the person that they hurt, they're walking away into another fire. They've never processed their shit. They've never dealt with their pain. They've never owned up to what they've done. So when they walk away, they're just replacing you. And as sad and hurtful as that is, it's the truth. When we're in that spot of brokenness and fear and sadness, we have to remember that eventually going to be better off in the long run. And if we allow them to come back, we're just going to go through the process all over again. It's repeated. And when you were talking about being an addict, that's the way that I always tell people my relationships. My first relationship wasn't a heavy drug. Then I needed a heavier drug. And then I needed a heavier drug. Thankfully, I knew when to stop, but it didn't make it easier to fall in love with somebody who was normal because I was always waiting for the ball to drop. I was always waiting for Craig to say, oh, you're a piece of shit. Oh, who do you think you are? And there I would have been like, why didn't I see the signs this time? Yeah. So thankfully he was very patient. He understood. And I think there needs to be, you know, more men who come out and talk about what life is like being in a relationship with someone who's been abused, right? The good guys. Yeah. The ones who are holding the woman you destroyed, holding the woman who's feeling broken and scared, you know, the guy who's picking up the fucking pieces of your broken heart and them not trusting you. Right. So when you're deep in it, just know that it's just, you know, and it's minute by minute really. Right. Like we, 
it's not an easy thing to process and it depends on how long you've been, been in the relationship. It's going to take that much longer just to get on the other side of it. And I think that also what we're looking for in that abuser is the comfort yeah. that they provided. The validation that they gave you at the beginning that was not really validation. It was manipulation that we took it as validation. I think that you bring up a very good point is because the other thing is, is if you're listening to this and you've been through this, whatever you do, please, please, please stay off dating apps, stay out of the dating scene. Do not jump into another relationship because until we've healed, the next guy might be a really super good guy, but because we have all of this trauma that we haven't processed, we are going to bleed all over somebody that never cut us. And I think that we as women, we want to be loved so badly that we are willing to just stuff it. I know I did. I mean, shit, I got married three times, married and divorced three times in like five years. So, you know, I think it's, we want that validation so bad. And it's learning that if you want to be loved, learn to love yourself first. Absolutely. You know, if and you want to be cherished, to do. cherish yourself first. And if you don't know how, I think it's getting better as far as society goes. I think it's getting better for women to be able to reach out and say, Hey, I need help. Because after you've relapsed, I don't know about you, but uh, I've had friends, I remember, you know, talking about and going back and, and I did go back to my second husband who actually married somebody else while he was still married to me. And I remember wanting to be better than this new woman that was in his life. And I kept going back because I thought I could show him how good I was. And then the guilt and shame hit. It's almost like relapsing. Now I have to, there's going to be people out here that are going to see me going back to this person, rolling their eyes. Oh my God, how could you go back to this person? And so now you're dealing with guilt and shame, which is heaped upon the pain, which is heaped upon the brokenness, which is heaped upon all of that. How do you guide your clients through that guilt and shame piece for when they do go back? Well, I see it as... Um, we almost are looking for a validation and I guess we want to hide it first, right? Like when you go back to that relationship, you want to hide it from the other people because you know, damn well, they're going to say, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. You know, it's wrong. Oh yeah. So when I guide people, it is about sitting down and really figuring out why are you going back? What is missing in you that you're looking for from them? Because they're not going to give that to you. First yeah. of all, that comes from within. And then it's really working on yourself of what can you do today to take that one step towards being happy? It doesn't always happen overnight. It could take a couple of days. You could be laying in bed crying and thinking, oh my God, my life sucks and this is horrible. But there will be a come a moment and the light bulb goes off and you say, damn, I'm worthy of so much better. Yeah. And when that moment happens and you start moving forward, you have to just remember you can't go back. It is closing that door. And it's hard because there's memories, mm -hmm. there's pain, there's hurt, there's sorrow. I always took the guidance of my friends who were there with me, helping me move out of the house and helping me deal with the trauma. What would they think if I went back? Yeah. How would they feel if I went back? I know hundred percent, they would say, we love you, but what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Look how far you've come. Yep. So I help women realize that they are worth more than where they were. It just takes time. You know, it's not an easy process. It's not a quick process. It is really realizing that you deserve so much more than where you were. 
I still have two friends who are still in the relationships. Doesn't matter how often I talk to them. If I tell them to leave, there's excuses. Yeah. So you have to ditch the excuses, ditch the X, ditch the excuses. Right. And know that, you know, you can just, and it's little bits, right? It's like, and I don't know about you, but for me, it wasn't taking this large pile of shit and trying to carry it. It was taking a little shovel and digging through yeah. the pile until the pile was no longer there. Right. I think you bring up another good point is that there are so many women and I, I know of, of one woman, a friend of mine, it's one of her friends and she stays and, you know, she's like, why do you stay? Why do you stay? She said, well, because we have kids together and, you know, I, I can't afford to be out on my own and the excuses and the excuses, it gets to a point, I think that you run out of excuses. And I think you get to the point where there's so many people that see women that are in abusive relationships that have children and they're like, aren't your children important enough for you to leave? And all that does is re-traumatize the person who's in the relationship because yeah, hell yeah, they know they should leave. They know that they should pack their shit and leave. The mental damage that has been done and the programming, the subconscious programming that the abuser does, because people think that you just enter into a relationship with an abuser and they just hit you within three days. Nine times out of 10, they groom you to the point where they do little things. They start the gaslighting and then they do the little tiny things to test you to see and push your boundaries. And if they can do a little thing, then they'll do a bigger thing. So that by the time that they put their hands on you, you're going, oh my God, I shouldn't have yelled at him. Oh my God, I should have just had sex with him. And then he wouldn't have been mad at me. If I would have just done this, this, and this, sometimes, yes, you have children together and sometimes your children hold you in the relationship. They're not enough for you to get out. Would you agree? Yes. Yes. And you know, my son had actually said something to me after we were out and he said, if I can ever say something on a stage or to women in a meeting, I want them to know that the children know yeah. it's not worth it to stay in the relationship because your children know. Yeah. No matter how much makeup you put on the bruises, your children know because they hear, they hear, yes. they see, they understand so much more. And sometimes though, it's not enough to have the children to, as in it, as your motivation to get out because you feel so trapped and there's so many different programs that are out there to help women, the domestic violence hotline, go into your, wherever you're living, you can Google domestic violence near me. There are women who are ready and willing to drop everything come get you, get you safe so that you don't have to deal with it. And somebody that's very close to me said, I just can't afford, I, we've built this huge thing together. And if I leave, I'll have nothing. And I remember saying to her, money's just energy. Not all money's good money. And the feeling of freedom, the reason why we want money is usually because we want freedom. So if we can get the freedom first, the money will follow. Yes. And yes. I think that's a huge thing for women that are trying to get out is they, they don't know where they're going to go. I think there needs to be more obvious, more places where they can go. Where did you go when you left? I know you went to your parents' house, but did you have like a domestic violence advocate? I had, well, when I moved in with my parents, I knew that I wanted to know what my rights were. So I went to, um, a lawyer and it was, you know, the freebie first visit, whatever. And he actually told me that I had no rights because mm -hmm. I left the house. So I could not legally go back in and take anything because I abandoned my husband. Now, how screwed up is that? So I wow. said, so I'm being abused and I leave my home 
And I legally, I mean, I could go back if I wanted to continue being beat, but I have no legal rights to what's in the home. He goes, no, because you essentially abandoned him. So I, you know, he said, I want you to talk to um, a lawyer for pro bono through the domestic violence. And he was great. And he helped me get the PFA and walked me through the court system. But the court system is messed up and oh. it's never going to be okay for, for those who are abused. It's not. It's, it's um, I mean, I had to go to mediation for support, for uh, custody. It sucks because, you know, you have that abuser who's going to sit there and say, you're a horrible mother. Yeah. You know, you don't do X, Y, and Z. So they put you down, they make you feel bad. Now you have to fight to prove that you're fit to be a mom. You're fit to be on your own. And, and it's just horrible. It's horrible. So if you have a really good advocate who can hold your hand through it, who can offer you that support, you know, I'm a huge advocate of support groups because I think that sharing your story, sharing what you've been through allows you to process those emotions. It allows you to cry. It allows you to, you know, just release all the shit that you've been through. And there's others there supporting you, holding you, loving you, and giving you that space. They're holding space for you to share. And if I didn't have my two girlfriends that were there for me, I'm not so sure I would have gone through it because my parents didn't see what happened. I didn't share what happened. They still to this day don't can't quite comprehend it. There's a I don't know if you've seen the movie. Oh, it's not a movie. It's a limited series on Netflix called Made. And I started the first one and I was like, oh, I don't think I I'm like, okay, I'm going to. I'm going to do some meditations and I'm going to come back and watch this because it is so, it is the cycle of abuse. It is a perfect example of the cycle of abuse. It is. It is. And we're, you know, I asked Craig if he would watch it with me and he said, I will watch the first episode. If it's not something I'm interested, I'm not going to finish watching it. I'm like, okay. And we watched the first one and it triggered some things in me. I mean, some things that happened, I was ducking out of the way. Like it was like responses after we watched it. The first episode, I asked him if he would watch the rest. He goes, I want to see from this person's perspective of what they've gone through. And I will tell you that it, the first episode, I think is the worst it now just really shows what she's going through and her struggles and, you know, finding a place for her to live with her daughter and, you know, getting the job as a maid and how she's maneuvering this. And I can see myself in her. I actually asked my parents to watch it and they don't really want to. And I don't know if it is you know, I don't want to, because I want to live in this little bubble that nothing happens or, oh my gosh, is that what my daughter went through? Um, but I think that those who, I mean, there's trigger warning. So if you're, if you are in the midst of your trauma, do not watch it Yeah, because it is very triggering. But if you are recovering and you're at a really good place where you can watch this and remember some things and okay I mean I did cry through some parts because it does bring up some things I felt it as a really good release that it was a positive thing for me so I'm like wow you know I was there and I'm now here and to see this with her and so it just really you know talks about the court system and how shitty it is and you know, what she's doing to try to be better and how you get pulled back to that old ways and, um, you know, all the things of cycles, right? Like it is something that it's not easy to break, but you can break it. And I think it's really important that you were talking about support groups. And one of the reasons, and it's funny, because this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast is, is because I knew that 
first of all, I'm a firm believer that our stories are so important. I mean, stories have been passed down generation to generation. This is how we, our belief systems are installed from the ages of zero to seven is because we hear the stories from our parents and stories of society. The one thing that I like about stories is that it, it also shows you if you can get to a support group, there's so many times that I remembered nobody understands this. Nobody else has been through this. Nobody else would understand how I feel. And it's important to go to these support groups because there are other women who have walked in your shoes. And if you go to a support group and you don't feel good about it, it's like AA and NA and any of those other A programs, 12-step programs, go to the one until you hear your story come out of somebody's mouth. And then you're like, okay, now I'm home. And it's that I'm not necessarily advocating the Me Too movement. It's just nice to know that somebody else has walked in those shoes. Now your shoes might be a different size and a different color, but we've still walked the same path. And it's nice to know, to be able to say, okay, I'm not alone in this. And I think that movie came out. I, I would love to see more about sir, like you do the, the courage and then the courage turns into confidence and, and the confidence turns into realizing that you are that badass warrior, that you are that spiritual goddess that I think one of the hardest things to realize is that your soul knew that you were going to go through those relationships before you ever popped out of the birth canal or however you came to be, your soul knew and had these contracts with these people so that you could learn and grow and get through it. And I have more people that have said, fuck you, Julie, I would have never chosen to go through this. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? I believe that I do because, you know, my dad asked me a long time ago, he said, do you resent, do you regret anything in your life? I said, dad, I can honestly sit here and tell you, I don't, I don't regret meeting my first boyfriend. I don't regret what I learned. I don't, you know, life is all about lessons. Life is all about how are we going to get through this, whatever, to then get to the next step. And because I've been through what I've been through, I now can be an inspiration to other women. Yes. You know, I can stand on a stage and talk about my story. And if it resonates with somebody and they want to come talk to me afterwards and say, Hey, I'm in it. I'm scared. Where do I go? I can hold her hand and say, it's going to be okay. Let's guide you and get you to where you need to be. Was it hard? Absolutely. But I'm a strong person now because of it. And I don't take shit from people anymore. Like I, I think if I would have stayed in the marriage, I would have just become this docile little, eh, you know, and that's not who I was meant to be because my parents have told me that I was born in the wrong era. I was born an Aquarian 1969. And I said, I would have been the woman chained to a tree. I would have been the woman marching, opposing so much shit. And they said, you know, you are our flower child. You are that, uh, that free love free. You know, I said, Oh my God, being at Woodstock, that's like my dream. I'm like, like, I could just like feel it, you know? So I know that there is this reason and purpose that I've gone through what I went through. So I would never say that I regret it. I do believe that I was meant to go through it so that I can be on the other side, advocating, loving, holding space, helping women go from this point of, you know, I don't know who I am to here you are, yeah. you are badass and you're yeah. going to rule the world. Like I have a mug that says women will rule the world. Absolutely. You know, we are going to change it. It's going to take us to step up, rise up and say no more. It's so funny because as I'm sitting here thinking about it, you know, it's light workers, whether you believe in the woo or not, whether you believe that the woo exists 
there's like, there's the change makers who are out front, the light workers that are like, holy shit, I went through this, you know, so that I can change the world. And then there's the next people are like, well, you know, I might have this okay, but I'm going to let her do it first. And then they're all in. They're like, oh, oh, Sherry did it. So now I can do it. And then you have, you know, the, the general population that'll move through it. And then you have the tie, you know, the kickers and screamers is what I call them. It's like, they're going to, they're going to be drug into this new era, kicking and screaming because they still want their flip phone and to have to press, you know, two, three times to get to see, to text somebody. So you have those people I think that light workers, for the women that are listening to this and you're going through this shit, it's because you are designed to lead other women out of it. I was told years ago that I was a light worker. And I was like, no, I don't like electricity. <laughs> like, no, no, Julie, that's, that's not what that means. And I didn't know what it meant and I avoided it at all costs. And then there's a there's a power that comes over you when you realize that you are a light worker, that you are here to change the world and to change the planet and to bring peace and healing to the planet. There's something intrinsically powerful that happens when you realize that. And it's people like you, people like me, people like Amanda, all those people that we are associated with that are there to say, hey, listen, we got you. We know how shitty it feels. We got you. Going to be baby steps, but we got you. So what do you think the biggest lesson that you have learned through all of this is? Ooh, um, that I'm stronger than I thought I was. You know, that I can get through whatever comes my way. The believing myself is pretty damn important. And y'all, you can't see, but she says that. And then on her wall behind her, it says you're braver than you believe, stronger than you seem, smarter than you think, and loved more than you know. That just radiates from you because you didn't even turn around and look. It's just like, just rolled right off your tongue. So I have a last question for you because, you know, I talk to you forever, but, you know, there's other things that have to happen in our days. <laughs> so I have a last question for you. So for the woman who is sitting in the shit pit, who may be sitting there with bruises on her face and a cracked lip and who might be sitting there in the midst of the abuse, what would you say to that woman who's listening going, yeah, okay, great. Julie, you and Sherry, you made it through and listen to you. Woo, woo, rah, rah. You're great cheerleaders. Fuck off. I'm in the middle of it. What would you say to that woman who's listening right now who wants to get out? Three words, get up, girl. It's time to get up. It's time to rise up. It's time to take one step, put it in front of the other and just do it. Oh, I love it. It's so funny. I'm like at 37 episodes, something like that. And I ask that question of every single guest. I've never had the same answer. And I've had people on that have been in similar situations and, and it's, never, it's never the same answer. So you mentioned that you were an author. So where can people find your books? Where can people find you? How, if somebody's listening and goes, I need some Sherry in my life, how do they find you? Uh, you can find me just by typing in Feisty Coaching. It'll go to my website, my Instagram, Facebook. You can find my book and other books I've co-authored on Amazon. Um, just look up Sherry, C-H-E-R-I-E, Faust, F-A-U-S, dash Smith, and they're all there. Sweet. And like I tell all y'all, read the damn show notes because all of the links to Sherry's books and to her website and to, you know, everything about that you need to know for Sherry is going to be in the show notes. Don't do it if you're driving and listening. Just do it <laughs> afterwards because we, we want you to arrive to wherever you're going in one piece. Sherry, any last thoughts? I've just, this has been a pleasure. Thank you, Julie. I just feel this connection with you. I did the first time that we talked and I still feel it. You radiate beauty and being vulnerable and you shine 
And I'm so grateful to have you in my life and for us to be able to talk about really important things to help women realize their worth and know that they can rise from the ashes, make something of themselves and be these, you know, courageous, badass warriors. Yes. Being, being feisty bitches, boy, That's right. I'll be feisty all day long. That's like my middle name should have been feisty instead of Yvonne, but <laughs> I am so grateful for you. And you just said something, ladies talk about it, talk about it. When it's only a shadow, if you don't put light on it, you don't walk into a room and look for a dark switch. You walk into a room looking for a light switch. So when you shine light on it, it loses its power over you. So talk about it, find somebody, reach out. I will have the domestic violence hotline in the show notes, reach out. It's like the old saying in AA, before you pick up a drink, pick up the phone. And here's the same thing. If you're thinking, oh, I just, maybe I'll just go. He wasn't that bad. Before you pick up the phone, pick up the phone and call someone that will remind you of your power and remind you of your beauty and remind you of your courage and your confidence and remind you that you are that badass warrior that deserves to be loved and treasured and adored and nothing besides that will do. So with that, Sherry, thank you so much. So grateful you. for you. And as always, my friends, I'm going to close with what I say every single time that you are enough. And especially with this topic, you're enough. It doesn't matter what anybody says to you. It doesn't matter what anybody has told you in the past. When you look in that mirror, you are enough. You were born enough. You are enough. You're not too tall. You're not too short. You're not too fat. You're not too skinny. You're not too light. You're not too dark. And you're always going to be too much for the people who are born to misunderstand you. You will never be too much for the people that are waiting to celebrate you. And if you could only see the divine light that shines back from your eyes, you'd never doubt your greatness again. And with that, thanks for hanging out. Have an amazing week and we will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I appreciate you. And remember, you are loved, you are treasured, you are adored, you are worthy, and you are so more than enough. I hope that you were inspired. And if you were, please feel free to download, share, and leave a comment. I would be eternally grateful. Thank you so much and have an absolutely magical day.